Hello and welcome to our latest episode of our Hockey History Podcast. My name is Riley and I am joined by Bill. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? I'm doing all right, thanks. And today we have a further three players. Um, we are talking about Pierre Turgeon, who is not in the Hockey Hall of Fame. We are talking about Paul Correa, who was inducted in 2017 last year. And then finally, we're talking about Cyclone Taylor. So to start, we've got Pierre Turgeon. And uh, he's an interesting little test case for us because he's the first um, eligible but inactive player that we're talking about. We've talked about so far for eligible players. We talked about Yager, who's technically act active, and again, who's technically active, though both of them have not played in the NHL and in Yager's case in a few weeks and or months, I guess, at this point. And uh, again, this case uh, since last year. So uh, one of the things I think we will want to talk about after we deal with his stats is if we think Pierre Turgeon belongs, then who's the next person below him who um, doesn't belong because, or belongs because Turgeon among inactive eligible players is the leader in all time assists and points who is not in the hall of fame. Um, and then the other side of that, if he doesn't belong, maybe we found a, a nice little cutoff. I don't know. We're, I guess we're going to decide when we get through it. So uh, to start off, we're going to talk about uh, his career. Uh, he played in the NHL from 1987 to 2007, which is 19 seasons, 18 of which were quality or about over a uh, half a point a game. He scored 515 goals, 812 assists for 1,327 points. He was plus 139 in 1,294 games. And he tallied 134.3 point shares, which is hockey references a uh, way of uh, determining how a player contributes to their team. And he had an average ice time of 16 minutes and four seconds, which is sounds really low. And that's because it was only tracked for the last uh, half of his career. So it's, uh, it's a pretty safe assumption that he, it was a lot higher earlier at his retirement. He was 16th all-time in games uh, goals per game, 21st all-time in assists per game, and 22nd in points per game. Uh, players who had played uh, for 1,250 games, unfortunately, because he retired so long ago, we don't know whether he where he would have sat on the actual leaderboards because the leaderboards have a couple different qualifying requirements, and he, I, I can only now check um, based on games played. I can't do the complicated system to see whether he would have actually qualified. I think he would have, but and he would have been 16th, 21st, and 22nd. Okay, that's fair. In his draft year, which is 1987, he is third in goals and points, second in assists, and fifth in plus minus. Um, and he's fifth in games played. It's worth noting that it is a really good draft, and the two players above him in, uh, in goals and points are Sackick and Shanahan. Um... In his era of the 18 players to play 1,250 games between 1987 and 2007, he is fifth in goals, plus minus offensive point shares and point shares. He is sixth in goals per game. He is fourth in assists and points and third in assists per game and points per game. His 82 game average was 33 goals, 52 assists for 84 points, plus nine. And his uh, best three years from 91 to 94, he had an 82 game average of 48 goals, 66 assists for 114 points, which is pretty good. Plus seven. Um, they did not track possession numbers until the season after he retired. So he, we don't know his possession stats. And honestly, I didn't watch him enough to, to know, but I assume they were probably positive, at least when he was 
at his offensive peak. Um, in the playoffs, he had 35 goals, 62 assists for 97 points, minus six in 109 games. So a little bit lower uh, than his his regular season. And then his adjusted numbers, 517 goals, 798 assists for 1,315 uh, points. Really, really similar to his regular stats. Um, and that's because the first half of his career played in a wide open high-scoring high era and the second half in a really low-scoring era. So it seems to have balanced out a little bit. So he's, he's almost exactly the adjustment makes barely any difference. His adjusted A2 game average is 33 goals, 51 assists for 33 points is almost exactly the same. Um, his adjusted PPG, where he stands all time, if the qualifier is set to 1,250 games, he's 15th all time in adjusted points per game. If the qualifier is dropped to 1,000 games, he's 22nd all time. If it's dropped to 750 games played, he's no longer in the top 25. And he was traded three times in the prime of his career. Okay, so we'll move on to his uh, accomplishments. <clears throat> he was uh, top five in heart voting once in 93. Um, I think that's probably a notable year too. I know they vote on the, uh, they vote on the heart before, um, before the playoffs take place, but he yeah. did get absolutely destroyed by Dale Hunter um, and was then not able to play anymore. Um, I believe that was a 93 playoff. I'm just going to go ahead and look that up real quick. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So that was that. That was the year that the um, the Islanders beat the Penguins in the next round. Yeah. And Dale Hunter like destroyed him at the end of round one when the Capitals had lost. <laughs> um, okay. He was the it was the longest suspension before the Bertuzzi Moore thing. Oh. It's like okay. 22, 22 or 23 games. It was ridiculously long. Um, Interesting. For those days especially. Um, basically, after he scored a series winning goal, Dale Hunter destroyed him into the boards and hurt him. And he was not yeah. able to play anymore. I think he separated his shoulder or possibly just half died. Um, if you if you watch it again, it's like one of the all-time cheap shots. Um, okay. And then in the next round, they ended up playing the Penguins, and then nobody gave them a chance in hell because they didn't have Pierre Turgeon. He's the best player. Yeah, um, and they proceeded to score on that uh, David Volek goal and it actually eliminate the Penguins. But then by the time the Islanders played the Canadians, even though the Canadians probably would have won because Patrick Roy was Jesus at that point, um, they they had nothing left, so they just got smoked. And Glenn Healy turned into a sieve and all that kind of stuff. But the Habs won all the OT games basically, which is what they did that whole playoff run. So I think they would have won inevitably anyways. Um, but the fact that Pierre Turgeon was not there was a huge difference. Um, yeah. But they ended up beating the two-time defending Stanley Cup champs with Mario Lemieux and um, Yermir Jagr, even without Pierre Turgeon. Um, yeah. But had they had their best player, who knows? They might have actually been able to kind of walk into a potential, you know, cup against the LA uh, against LA, which would have been sweet. Because I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Rudy and Healy had switched places in a trade so that would have been kind of cool um but just goes like that was sort of he was top five in heart voting once and never again after that injury so maybe that is something that adversely affected the rest of his entire career 
Yeah, uh, definitely possible. Yeah, because I mean, if you watch that hit, like he just gets annihilated, and it's after he scored. So I mean, it's really, yeah, yeah, he's defenseless. Um, he won the Bing in '93. He won the. He was a top ten offensive player by offensive point shares once again in '93, right? So that was his sort of peak. Uh, yep. He scored 55 goals once, 40 goals thrice, 35 goals five times, 30 goals nine times, which, wow, that's pretty impressive. Uh, 25 goals 11 times, 20 goals 13 times. He tallied 70 assists once, 60 assists twice, uh, 50 assists eight times, and 40 assists 11 times. He scored 130 points once, one of only 23 players who've ever done that. 100 points twice, 90 points five times, 80 points eight times, 70 points nine times, and 60 points 12 times. He was top 10, top 10 in goals once, top 10 in goals per game twice, top 10 in assists thrice, top 10 in uh, assists per game twice, Top five in points once, top ten twice, uh, top five in points per game twice, top five in points per game five times, and uh, five all-star game appearances. He was the top three forward on two final fours, the 93 Islanders, as I mentioned, and the 01 Blues. Uh, so, sorry, I took away your great teams there. but Oh, that's all right. I had a lot to say. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I didn't know about the injury and I, I didn't uh, cause I was, I was uh, 12 at the time and I was only a Leafs fan. And then uh, the whole high stick thing happened and I stopped yeah, watching hockey for four years. So how would you have known? Right. So. Yeah. And <laughs> so not having even bothered to look that up, I actually, it's funny cause I've approached this, I think in a very different, from a very different point of view than you have, yeah. which is that, when I look at this, his resume, without knowing about the probable concussion or whatever that resulted from that injury. Oh God, like if you, have you seen it yet? No. Well, when I, I, I feel like it's worth watching to see how just, my God, like, just yeah. like you, it's gotta be like a concussion plus a separated shoulder plus a God knows what else happened to him. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. completely defenseless when he gets hit, it's horrible. Yeah, um, but like he obviously resumed his playing career, but I don't know that he ever hit those heights again. And it's hard to say. I think he'd probably be, you know, athletes being what they are would never admit it. But maybe years later, he would have been like, yeah, like I would have been way better if I didn't get destroyed. Like he was sensational up to that point. So, well, he did like. He did have by points per game. He did have his best season ever the next year, okay, but so that was that was in sixty nine games. Okay. Um, so no, sorry, best season ever, second best season ever. Okay. Um, sorry, best season was obviously ninety three. I don't yeah, know what I was thinking. Fire, about. yeah. That's, um, well, it's kind of like that's but, if they got their best player removed and then inexplicably still beat the Penguins. But he did like yeah. he it's not like he fell off a cliff, right? Like yeah. he, he fell off a cliff in, in, uh, in the lockout year, he did not have a great year, but then he was over a point per game player for most up and through 2001. Yeah. I mean, and I always remember Pierre Turgeon being like, uh, yeah, he's like a legitimate top line player. Like he's not, yeah. 
And he seems that's it. He sort of see that seemed to have like these peak years, but he was never bad. Like he was never like, oh, yeah. I had a year where I was just garbage. Like he no, he didn't. Uh, yeah. He he like the only bad year he had was his final year where he played seventeen games for the Avalanche. Yeah, yeah, that was the and the year before uh, where he played for the the Avalanche. The year before he made it in sixty two games, but I mean, he was scoring point uh, seven four points every game, which at yeah. Age thirty six is there's completely yeah. utterly respectable. It's yeah, absolutely. Arguably better than respectable. Yeah. Um, but without knowing the injury, I gotta say I was looking at his resume and thinking like maybe this is the point at which I'm comfortable with saying he doesn't belong and people below him don't. And the reason for that is he has that one season where he scored 130 points mm-hmm. and he was top ten in the league. Um, in, in well, top five in the league in a couple of offensive categories yeah. and top 10 in other ones. And then he has one other year. Uh, hold on, I'll just I'll tell you what other year that was where he was. Um, uh, it's assists. So he had a couple, two other years where he was, uh, you know, a, a top 10 in assists, but only at the top, very top, close to the top 10. Like he wasn't in the top five. And and in addition to that, um, you know, he really, I mean, some of this is luck. I mean, he was drafted by the Sabres and then he was on the Islanders. Yeah. Um, it's not his fault, but, you know, he he really was never on, aside from that one Islanders team who you already talked about, how they, they might have gone further had he not been hurt. Yeah. He doesn't have a great playoff track record. It's his, his lack of international play for Canada is shocking to me yeah um none like no, no he did play a couple times but those teams were not good the ones he was on they didn't do anything and uh, presumably he was the star of those teams i don't know i didn't look enough into it um and that uh, the you know his counting stats were not enough that when he retired he wasn't even in the top 25 in any of them despite the fact he had 327 points in his career now, some of that is because he played at the end of the 80s and and what was, you know, had he played a decade earlier or something, he probably would have been. Mm-hmm. But I think what I'm trying to say is this is the first person we've talked about where I have, like, serious doubts about yeah, whether I, I, he belongs. I, I would agree with that, except that I think I think we're sort of getting into that era sort of thing where I'm not entirely sure he's not that far off a recce in terms of like, I'm just consistently very good. Yeah. Except that recce played on better teams that won. Yeah. And then you're like, well, you know, like it's, he started, what year did recce start? Like 89? Yeah. Like shortly thereafter. Yeah. Yeah. So like, he had fewer seasons in that golden era of like spit and you'll get a couple of points kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Turgeon had a better season than Recky in 93 too. It's worth pointing yeah, out. Yeah, that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like at a certain point, I think, I mean, Recky obviously I think had a slightly better career, but I don't think those two guys are that far off other than one of them happened to be on championship teams. And I think is as we established in that episode about recce where I, you know, got on my, got on my old man porch and yelled at people. Um, it's, 
like it's the given what we've established about what the hall of fame does it's the hall of the very very good not the hall yeah. of the better than absolutely everybody else yeah um and so i think at that point you're sort of like eh, turgeon and recce the difference between those two is I, I like I I think if he just finds a year where there's not that many great people up for consideration, he'll sneak in. Um, yeah, and that could and I, very I well he's be. A very, he's a very fine player. I don't I don't know that I would. I don't think I would petition for him to be in. Yeah, but I don't think I'd be furious if he got in. You know what I mean? So so I will say that like like you know, Recky didn't get any heart trophy votes ever. Yeah. But Recky did. I just pulled him up. He did like he was in leaderboards a couple more times than Turgeon was over the course of his career. Like he was top five in in one thing one more time, top ten one more time than Turgeon. That kind of thing. Yeah. And the other thing is he did make an end of team, uh, end of year All Star team that Turgeon never did. Yeah. But they're not. It's not a huge difference, and I think you're absolutely right. I think the main difference why someone like me remembers them differently is because Recky was lucky and on better teams. Yeah, I, w- I would completely because that's the thing. Pierre Turgeon seems to me like a an excellent complementary player. He's not the guy who's going to win you the cup, but if you've got him, you've got a way better chance of winning the cup. Yeah, kind of thing, you know. And then Turgeon just crapped out because he was on the Islanders and the Canadians, or actually. When he was on the outers and they had a chance, he actually wasn't even there. So yeah. he could have been that guy who he actually could have been the go-to guy that won them that cup. And he showed up in Dallas game. too late. Yeah. Um, you know, and he was on he was on St. Louis when they were like, I believe they were favorites, but then got uh embarrassed in the first round, right? One year by the Sharks. I think that he was on that team. Oh man. Um the team know, the that the Maybe the Flames one year too. No, though in two thousand, the um, the uh, oh, the Owen Nolan year, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, the Owen Nolan year, yeah, yeah. The, blocking a shot, and then he scored a series yeah. winner. Yeah, the yeah, Blues, yeah. the Blues yeah. had one hundred and fourteen points and yeah. lost in the first round yeah, <laughs> to yeah, the yeah, Sharks. Yeah, Turgeon right. was was the uh, one of the two best forwards on that team. Yeah, but that was the Owen Nolan show, right? Just yeah. him at yeah. his peak, just doing every. He's basically like a. That was the one year that Owen Nolan was basically like Jerome McGinley on, on on steroids, which you know I probably shouldn't say, but I've never. <laughs> but I, do you know what I mean? Like he was just like, yeah, I know what you wow, mean. Like McGinley in his prime, at his best, blocking shots, scoring goals. Like he just, I think he scored one from center on Turek, and that's what won it. Yeah, he totally that did. I remember one. that. Right. I re- that is like for some reason I don't know why it's a first round series. That is one of my like clear hockey playoff memories watching um him sh- score on turk from center ice yeah. i don't know why you know what i think as soon as I, I was putting together the owen nolan thing and then when i kept saying owen nolan i'm like oh yeah that shot from center on turk yeah. <laughs> oh man roman turk <laughs> I, I was gonna about say we, i was at your house but we were in res so yep that sounds about right <laughs> um anyway about the, like and I, I think I can I think I can argue Turgeon both ways. Like I on the one hand I, I see the like the the lack of international teams and his yeah. lack of playoff success and I go, eh. And it's more the lack of international teams, like successful international teams where you play for Canada 
it's weird that you haven't won a medal internationally, you know, like, is, is, isn't that very close to similar for Recky? Didn't he not play for a lot of international teams? I think, I think you're right about that. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, he was in the playoffs all the time. So, well, yeah, I know well, <laughs> all that <laughs> luck of playing for great teams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but on, on the, on the other hand, you know, when he did retire, I, I have this thing in my mind where I say to myself, you know, if, it, if someone retired and they were, top 25 in a in a career stat i think generally speaking they belong yeah and i, I think that's a reasonable top 25 is reasonable the league's existed for 100 years you know that's yeah. if you can get into that then you you've had a pretty good career um and he was as far as i can tell in he was like i said at the uh, at the beginning there he was 16th in goals per game 21st in assists per game and 22nd in points per game now that might be off slightly cuz there might be people who were who were um, eligible for leaderboards? Who played earlier in their, you know, before you would end up playing twelve hundred games? Yes. Who might have bumped him down a little bit on those, especially in the in the points per game? Like yeah. it's conceivable that there are three uh, original six players who had higher points per game who would have knocked Turgeon out of the top twenty-five. Oh, yeah. But no one, he wouldn't have been knocked out of the uh, top twenty-five in goals per game if he was sixteenth. I don't think. So yeah. that kind of makes me feel like he does belong, though I, it's not definitive for me because I, again, I don't know actually in 2007 where he would have been on those leaderboards. But it does make me think, okay, maybe. Um, like you, I wouldn't necessarily argue for him to be in there. But now that I learned about the injury, I'm kind of like a little more. I'm a little more sympathetic to his case because, like, I really do feel like hockey is a long tradition as I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly um, with Korea of, and Korea is actually sort of an exception to this. He didn't seem to get as much of the crap that a lot of them others do, but like yes. hockey is a long tradition of basically like treating injured athletes as if they deserved it. Yeah. And, and that, you know, Lindros being like the perfect example where it was his fault for getting concussions. And if I, I think what did it to Lindros too, is that people just hated him. Yeah, he well, abs absolutely. He left Quebec. Yeah. He hated the fact that his family was involved and he was a bit of a jerk. Or yeah, yeah, absolutely. He wanted, you know. Yeah. He, he was a commodity. I was like, yeah, you know. And and then you see him get inducted into the Hall of Fame and he's like, oh, my poor brother had the same thing as I had. And you're like, yeah, it seems like a pretty good guy. <laughs> he also gave a lot of money to concussion research. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he yeah. seems like a fantastic I I think he really... That Quebec thing, he just, well, especially in this province, man, he got run yeah. through the rough crowd. Like, man, it's just like yeah. he, he just kind of like he knew he was the best player. But like, yeah. And what I mean to say is, just with, yeah. with with <laughs> with exceptions of like of Cam Neely and Bobby Orr and Mike yeah. Bossy, generally speaking, aside from those guys, people who have been injured and not been able to play as long, but who were very good at some point in their career, yeah. you know, have been ignored. And like when I, I think of people like Rick Martin or, or Rick Martin, I guess, it, or um, right. He was French. Was he French? I believe he was. But okay. So Martin um, or Tim Kerr or like people like this who like yeah. who or, or, or Kent Nilsson or like guys who, who had, Really? periods where they were really, really good, but because they didn't play enough games because they were hurt all the damn time, the Hall's sort of been like, no, we're not yeah. considering you. 
because yeah. like you got injured. How dare you? Yes. And Turgeon managed to play a long time, mm-hmm. but it's it is interesting to wonder had, would his career have been different had he not I don't know that he had a concussion from that hit. But oh, if he did, <laughs> if we can assume he did. I, I, I would assume that possibly he had six concussions. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, you, gotta, you gotta see it Riley. It's just it's I will I will I will look it up. Um it yeah. is it is worth, you know, wondering um what what could have been and yeah. No, no, no. I, I it, you it know makes what? I, I think he's I think even before he got hurt, if he was top five and top ten and then continued to put up the point the number of points that he did and be top twenty-five for that era, you're like, he's if you don't put him in, there's a lot of other guys who should that you should be like reconsidering, basically. That is he's, true. He's right there. You're like, yeah. Like I, I think if you if you don't put him in, I then I think you have to question Recky. I think you have to question uh, somebody who we're going to get to in Andrew Chuck. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was, who's, yeah. who's in the hall. He's definitely in the hall of very, very, very good. Yeah. But maybe he's not in the hall of fame. And it's like by the measurement is literally by, uh, you know, you're splitting hairs. Yeah. But Oh, absolutely. And yeah. well, at some point we're going to have to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I guess all I'm trying to say is that before I learned about the injury, which I didn't know about, mm-hmm. I was, I was, pretty much i was willing to say you know like i'm fine with him not being in yes and now i'm like eh, maybe maybe you know i'm i'm on the fence and and i do and i i freely admit that if i say he doesn't belong that there are guys in the hall of fame who don't and i don't have a problem with that because i i have a list <laughs> in my mind yes. of yeah. guys who are in who are, i'm like him how and how are these yes. other players not so they've they've really the last few years they've really fixed a number of the ones who I was like, like how is this person not in? And, yeah, totally. Yeah, they, they really have. They've been Clark Gillies in or whatever. Um, yeah. But it's always uh, the one everybody cites. Eh? It's always Clark Gillies. <laughs> yeah, he's, yeah. Well, I have others too, but Clark Gillies is easy because he's less contentious. Everyone just sort of agrees that it's kind of weird. Um, anyway, we'll we'll get to him eventually. Um, but yeah, I just, I look at his, his resume and he was very clearly a very good player. And, um, he, you know, he had that one incredible season. Mm-hmm. It was worth noting that in that one incredible season, he was still, what was he? Um, he was somehow fifth in scoring <laughs> that year tied for fifth with Solani, I believe. Um, you know, he he somehow scored 132 points. Keeping, and... keeping in mind though that that Islanders team, I think once he was out of that lineup, I think the top line was like Ray Ferrero with like yeah. David Volek and some. Oh yeah, no, no, he he that. absolutely that team yeah. was, was him, not great. Was yeah, and and that is a very good point. And like Solani had more of a scoring cast that year even than he did, yeah. because like one of the things. One of the things I wanted to quantify, but I wasn't able to figure out because I, frankly, I, I took uh, probability for a second uh, 15 years ago 
and uh, I don't, I don't, I can't do it well enough. Um, and I'm, I can barely do algebra. So yeah, but like I wanted to try and create some kind of metric to like show like dominance relative to your team, mm -hmm. and I wasn't, I didn't come up with anything that I wanted to tell to the world. But yeah. I will say that on that team you're talking about, um, Pierre Turgeon was first with 132 points. The next player, <laughs> this is the 93 Islanders. Yeah. The next player was Steve Thomas. With Hopefully you don't have it open. Guess how many points Steve Thomas had. I'm going to guess 67. Well, you're okay. It was a little more than 67. But it was 87. Okay. It's still a hell of a lot of difference between the two. I mean, that is... I'm not saying Turgeon is Gretzky, but that is a Gretzky-esque difference between the first and second score on a team. And it's actually, um, it's actually um, very apropos. I was reading something today about uh, why Taylor Hall should yeah, be the... Yeah, uh, Taylor Hall is currently doing that on, or did it this year on the uh, the Devils. Yeah, yeah. And he made the playoffs. It's like, yeah. wow, he's that much better than everybody else. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I don't know... You know, like the the Islanders had a total of nine hundred points that year, and Turgeon was mm -hmm. responsible for one hundred and thirty two of them. Now, some of that is skewed because there. That's of course including, you know, uh, it's essentially double counting assists because of the nature of the assist. But still, yeah. um, you know, it's 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 worth looking at that, and like especially for someone like me who is a bit of a skeptic about his career, uh, his case, and looking at that season, being like, "Wow, he was he like you said, he was the team." Mm -hmm. I yeah, mean, when he got hurt. It was That's the thing when they played the Penguins, everybody's like, "Oh, they made it through, but now they have to play the Penguins, and they lost their best player. Good luck!" And then they beat the Penguins, yeah. and everybody's like, "Yeah, I still remember that goal when they upset the Penguins." I remember where I was in my parents' house. I remember seeing the pass go across and going like, holy crap, the Penguins are out. As soon as I saw the pass, I'm like, wow. And then David Bullock just slaps it top corner. You're like, yeah, right. Like, you couldn't believe. And then realizing the Canadians would play the Islanders next with literally like, oh, crap, the Canadians are going to the cup. <laughs> Damn you and your luck. <laughs> And also having Patrick Roy in that's helps too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? I think even I, that year they were sort of, they seemed destined to win it no matter what. But I've said it to many of my friends too. I'm like, you lucked out because I think the Penguins would have beat you. And they like they got knocked out. And then I think the the, the Leafs would have beat you. And they got knocked out. <laughs> like you were yeah, very yeah. But and then you see Patrick Roy just winking at people, and you're like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe he just <laughs> would have Patrick Roy did it all the way. <laughs> Wouldn't have mattered. So yeah, uh, I mean, I mean, obviously we can't know, but like he did, definitely it 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 played a big impact on oh, the way Turgeon's. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, the way Turgeon's like career looks in retrospect too, because yeah. especially had they, I don't know that they would have beat the Canadians, but if they beat the Habs, you know, he, he makes it to a final and then yeah, he lo it looks different. To, 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 to me, a lot of, for a lot of players, um, the making it to a final or the winning a final to me doesn't define that player unless we're considering like a Crosby, McDavid, one of those guys. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. 
Yeah, it's it's like, dude, like if you had no supporting cast and you're, let's just say you're like a Sega and a Ben, like yeah. using like now player comparisons. Like yeah. if you're a Sega and a Ben duo or a Hall and Oates, you're like, and you don't make it to a final, be like, you were still incredible. Just the rest of your team sucked. <laughs> I don't By know what to way. tell you. You guys put up the points and nobody could sort of do this secondary thing that championship teams like if you're ever if you're ever um, making like a parody band of like 80s like like pop soul or whatever you should call them hollow notes well yes yeah somebody said it on the radio today earlier and i was like ah hollow notes that's funny yeah yeah (laughs) um actually talking hockey players is funny yeah i agree i agree like about the especially about the nhl stuff i guess for me with Turgeon, the re- the reason I'm skeptical of the lack of great teams is this, the lack of other things, right? Like, yeah. it's not just that he only made two uh, two conference finals in his entire career. It's that he he didn't have uh, success internationally. Ju- like, his junior teams weren't... Now, it, hockey's a team sport, yeah. and it is not his fault. He's probably just yeah. horribly unlucky. Um but like when you're the best player, yeah. When you're the best player, you know, like he uh he was uh he was on that world junior Canada team that got disqualified. Um, oh, he had not I don't think he had anything to do with that. No, no, he was the only one who sat on the bench. No um, way, really? Yeah, yeah. You've gotta be I didn't I did not know that. That is incredible. You know what? I think automatically, as Don Cherry would say, that should disqualify him from the hall, and that's it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure. Rant about it because that's ridiculous. I'm he, pretty he sure. He actually didn't get off the bench. I'm pretty sure. Wow. You know what? I I almost have to look that up immediately because I, I that's only two only two players were not suspended: Jimmy Waite and forward Pierre Turgeon. Waite felt he could not risk being injected for fighting under the belief that the game would resume and that the Canadian backup goaltender, Sean Simpson, was injured. Um, I can forgive Jimmy Wade, but I mean, come on. uh, Many of the teammates never forgave Turgeon for failing to defend his teammates. Um, And then there's like someone I've never heard of uh, calling him a dog, basically. Because he didn't, he stayed on the bench. Oh yeah, I can see it right here. The first uh, Globe and Mail. Uh, it's like I'm not even into the article. On Pierre Turgeon took some verbal abuse from his teammates who said he should have left the bench when they did, and he did not. So wow, that's as that. someone who's never played hockey, that doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> no, you know what? Um, doesn't really bother me, except for that when you get to that point where you realize like. Well, we're sort of outmanned at this point. Like, like we're. Oh no, he's not the only one. Ford, Steve Nemeth, and uh, and Jimmy Wade didn't do it yet. Oh, they were on the ice. They never threw a punch. Yeah. So Jimmy Wade, yeah. he he didn't. He thought he had to play still. So he. That's what yeah, he. They said uh, they wanted it known that if Turgeon was on the bench, then the Canadians were outnumbered on the ice. Wow. So um, anyway, 
Uh, that was that I, I was a. I don't think I, you know what that doesn't preclude him from being in the Hall of Fame. If Gretzky's in the Hall of Fame, he never. That's not true. He he dropped the gloves once, but he got immediately. So well, he sort of like slapped somebody a little bit, you know. So we should explain what we're talking about, though. Yeah. Um, there was an infamous brawl between uh, Canada and Russia, right? It was Russia, right? Uh, yes, it was Russia. Um, this is before I was paying attention to hockey. Uh, and he didn't participate. Turgeon did not participate. Um, but both teams were disqualified. That was the team that that year. If if Turgeon was going to do anything in the World Juniors, it would have been that year. Yeah, um, seventeen that year. I don't know if he was already having a good. I should be able to tell you how many points he scored before they were disqualified. Um, uh, hold on a second. Uh, well, he wasn't having a great year, uh, three points in six games. So he was not a major part of that team actually, or he was just having a bad, uh, tournament one or the other. Um, anyway, I just, I just bring it up because, you know, he, he was in, he was in the QMJHL and, uh, scored a absolute ton of points, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but that team or those two teams, rather the, um, or the team in the Granby Bisons was either not very, I don't know how good they were, but they didn't advance um, that far in the playoffs. It looks like the one year they were in the playoffs, uh, they, you know, lost in either one or two rounds, depending on how long the rounds were back in the eighties. And I don't know. I just, I think there is something, you know, yes, it's, it's quite possible that it's luck. But there could also be something else going on there with the f the lack of team success. I don't know. I can't. I can't say to be sure. Yeah. I just. I think it. It's. I'm. I'm not the kind of person who will like. You know that there's this thing in basketball. Um, sorry for the basketball reference, but where like some guys who had really good re regular season careers, people are like, but where are the rings with like yeah. you know eight Zs afterwards? And I'm not one of those people. <laughs> I don't like. I don't think that like, I don't want to see cups, you know, like, I don't care if you didn't win a Stanley cup, but you were, you had a really good career and you played most of your um, time in a league that had 30 or, or 20 something teams, mm -hmm. you know, luck gets in the way. Some, you, you may not win a cup, yeah. but I guess my only concern here is that there's like, literally there's no team success. Yeah. Like there's very, very little in his career. And that, that seems weird to me for someone who was as at least briefly offensively dominant as he was. I have honestly got to say, like, remembering what I remember up here, Trujillo's career, obviously like, this is kind of weird, but like, I just, I just saw the anniversary of him scoring that goal uh, uh, of, of Pat LaFontaine scoring that goal. And then being like, Oh, he was traded for Pat LaFontaine at one point. Like, God damn, yeah. what a terrible trade. But then Pat LaFontaine had all those concussion problems. And so it sort of rendered it a moot point. Yeah. Um, but for years, that would have been the worst trade ever because Pat LaFontaine was like, you know, obviously better. Um, yeah. And here, Turgeon was just like, yeah, like right when Buffalo got good, he was gone. Right when, yeah. like, like the Islanders had that one year where he got destroyed and so therefore couldn't prove how good he really was. Then he got yeah. traded to the Canadians right when they got really crappy. Yeah. Like he just seemed to go to each team right as they were like trying to 
keep their window open and like, nope, he wasn't the guy that pushed us over the edge. I mean, he was he was on St. Louis when they were yes. decent. The problem was that there were two other teams in the Western Conference who were better than them. Yeah, and, and, if, and if you played during the Avs Wings era, yeah, you, you weren't go. Come on, you were just gonna get knocked out, especially yeah, yeah. if you had Roman Turek as a goalie. As yeah. But yeah. you know, at the time, Roman Turek looked like he was gonna be the bomb. Um, yeah. Like, oh, nobody can figure him out. He's gonna be the next Hashik. Oh, he's terrible. <laughs> actually anyway yeah what well, you know what i just remember roman Turk kind of jumping over a shot from center and going right through him like just like wow yeah, yeah, yeah. i to stop that you know anyways <laughs> um yeah i think though like it's it's definitely like i would say for me anyway of all the players we've talked about so far i i think after our conversation i'm leaning more to him turgeon being in than not but i yeah, still I, have I more questions about him than i did any other player we talked about so far yeah i think he's he's like a tick below recce but i think we i think we sort of had agreed the consistency of very very goodness was like well it's really well, hard to do that so maybe you should be in the other and, the other thing about recce is recce was just healthier you know yeah, I, I i would completely agree with that yeah it's just he never got boarded yeah. Through no fault of his own when he was completely defenseless. Yeah. And, you know, he just sort of, he ended up being very lucky to be with Lemieux, to be with teams that ended up winning, you know? Like, yep. was he the defining factor? I don't think we ever would agree that, yes, Mark Recchi won a Stanley Cup. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely so, not. Yeah. So then how is he any better than Pierre Turgeon? Add stats-wise, maybe just slightly luck slightly well uh, luck by a lot yeah. um longevity maybe slightly well he definitely but, i mean he played way longer oh well yeah well, well, was did, but that has a lot to do with luck right 21 versus 19 or was it 22 um i think it was 22 but yeah. the other thing is that recce um is like played long enough that he was you know on like the game's leaderboard as well as yeah. did Aguilma yeah. and, and some other people we talked about, whereas Turgeon partially because he did have injuries and partially because he retired, you know, basically the moment he realized he wasn't good anymore, he retired. He yeah. had one bad year and quit. Whereas like other people have had bad years and persisted, but Recky, you know, played in, uh, basically I'm just going to tell you right now, um, 300 and something more games than, uh, oh, Turgeon. Yeah. So yes, significantly longer, despite the fact yeah. that Turgeon played three fewer seasons. It was it was like a full, you know, uh, it was more than that because Turgeon didn't play full all as many full seasons as Recky did. Yeah, totally. basically. Uh, speaking of 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 injuries and shortened seasons and luck, yeah. that sounds like a a segue, segue. to a, cer a certain other player, uh, <laughs> Paul Korea. Yes, Paul Korea. Let me just uh, prepare his uh, statistics right here because I'm still on the uh, the previous ones. Um, it's it's so you know what I never thought we were going to be making a Recky Turgeon comparison. I really didn't. Um, I mean, I think that's only because we talked about Recky recently. I think if we, you know, especially because they didn't play the same position. Maybe there's somebody closer. Sorry. 
I said, as we talk about more guys, you think there's somebody that's going to be closer? Yeah, yeah. I think uh, somebody who's going to have played a, a closer number of games to Turgeon. You know, like the other thing, like Recky's counting stats are way higher because he played so much longer, right? And even though their peaks yeah. might be similar, um, you know, Recky just played so much longer than Turgeon did. I think there's going to be guys we come across who played around 1,300 games with around 1,300 points. You know, who had maybe the the way their careers panned out were a little different than Turgeon, but yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, there's got to be somebody who's a little bit closer of a comparison. Yeah, well, actually, uh, I can tell you because Hockey Reference, oh. and and if we haven't said this about Hockey Reference yet today, they are wonderful. They are fantastic. They are the They're best the resource for hockey store uh, stats. They have a similarity score. And if you give me a moment, I can tell you who the most similar player to Turgeon was. Um, and it's a weird one. Are you ready? It's it's Luke Robitaille. Luke Robitaille, really? Yeah, but the thing to remember is uh, about them is that they they stop comparing after a certain like. Turgeon is compared to Robitaille through Robitaille's first 19 seasons. Oh. So Robitaille played longer than that. Yeah. I, I believe. And so when when Luke Robitaille uh, it stopped being... Like, if you click on Luke Robitaille, he probably has a different sim, uh, similarity, number one similarity score. It's worth noting, though, that Mark Recchi is fourth on that list. Oh, my so, God. So, um, you know, he is a similar player. You're absolutely yeah. right. He's just according to hockey reference, however they calculate this, he's less similar than Robitaille, which is interesting. But that is done by point shares, and point shares are, of course, you know, have issues that we have talked about before. And yes. We'll probably talk about it again. Anyway, enough about Pierre Turgeon. Let's talk about Paul Correa. All right, Paul Correa. Um, we both saw this guy play, I think. You yeah, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hockey. Yeah, so we saw his entire career. Yeah. I think we're pretty, uh, this should probably go a little faster because we don't have to guess as much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did see most of Pierre Turgeon's career, but I don't remember the very beginning of it very well. So, But Korea, I distinctly remember being an avid hockey fan at this point, and uh, I did see most of his hockey. Um, so... He played in the NHL from 1994 to 2010, 15 seasons, 13 are quality. He scored 402 goals, 587 assists for 989 points, plus 31 in 989 games. So he's a point-per-game player exactly. Yeah. Um, as, you know, with, with, his, with his slightly Japanese heritage, I would assume that that precision was calculated, but <sighs> never know. Um, 100, uh, 109.3 point share. Uh, 20 minutes and 57 seconds of average time on ice. And that's only since 1998, 1999. And I mean, this guy was a, at one point, a legitimate superstar of like, wow, like when he's on the ice, stuff's happening kind of thing. Yeah. Um, in his draft class, 1993, Korea is second in goals, first in assists and points and 16th in plus minus, despite being only 16th in games played. And do you remember where he was drafted? I think he was top 10, but I can't remember exactly. Yeah, I think he was top five, uh, but I, I can try to look him up. Right now. Um, 
feel like he was like number f- like fourth overall or something, but I'm not sure. Right about to tell you. Come on, Google machine. He was fourth overall. Look at that. Wow, good stuff. I may have just looked at his, you know, bio the other day, but <laughs> so that's why it's stuck in my mind, I guess. But Still yeah, it's a pretty good draft year. It was a pretty good draft year, except for yeah. the first pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nobody remembers pick. who finishes second. Yeah, well, <laughs> I don't know, Dagler or Chris Pronger. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that what Dag said though? Yep. Yeah. Uh, just to put it. The thing was, the guy had all the talent in the world and just didn't really want to be a hockey player. Yeah. <laughs> just didn't want the, that grind, you know? Yeah. Yeah, number four. Oh, Rob Niedermeyer, five. That's tasty. Um, Denmark. Yeah, it was a good yeah, draft. Was, it was just it was odd. Like, not player. all the good players were in the top 10. Yeah. Well, I think that's true with a lot of drafts where yeah. you think the guy has all the promise in the world and just ends up being sort of like a, ah, oh, he's pretty good, but. A little Brendan Witz there at number 11. Look at him. He got hit by a car and didn't die. So he played That's that good. night, in fact. So oh, Jesus. He's in, yeah, there's a, there's an actual story. Like when he played for the Islanders, he got hit by a car. Bounced like, like, like the car hit him. He bounced off the pavement, got up and said like, yeah, it's okay. And just like walked away and he played that night. Like, that was bonkers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that guy's a tank. Um, there's a good Brendan Witt story for everybody that was not. <laughs> yeah, just just uh, what everyone was waiting for. Yeah, well, yeah, obviously. If we're going to talk about the Hall of Fame. Who's not going to talk about Brendan Witt, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he, he played a ridiculous amount of uh, ice time in his draft class, 1983, as the, the uh, number four pick. Second in goals, first in assists and points, and 16th in plus minus, despite being 16th in games played because of his often mentioned injuries, thanks to the Gary Suter cross check in the face, um, and then many, many subsequent co- concussions. Um, in his era of the 58 players to play in at least 950 games between 94 and 2010, Korea is seventh in goals, goals per games, and offensive point shares, sixth in assists, fourth in assists per games, fifth in points, third in points per games, 11th in point shares, despite being 40th in games played. So, I mean, this guy is like absolutely killing it. Um, 82 game average. Uh, 34 goals and 48 assists for 82 points. Again, that point per game average and a plus three. Um, in spite of being viewed as just an offensive player, but he was, yeah, he was not a liability. Um, his three-year peak, 1995 to 1998, was uh, his 82 game average of 55 goals, 59 assists for 114 points and a plus 28. And that was the very beginning of the clutch and grab era. So he yes, was, was playing through a little bit of difficulty, not quite as bad as it got in the two thousands, but I mean, he was, uh, he was playing in a slightly less advantageous era. Um, his position, his possession stats, not position stats, um, possession stats since 2007, 08, when they started to be calculated, he's a 52%, um, uh, Corsi, he's a 3.5 relative Corsi, 
He's a 52% Fenwick and a 2.8% relative Fenwick. And Riley can explain sort of what that means. It's it's possession and anything above 50% is uh, 50% for Corsi and Fenwick is good. And anything above zero relative is good. So 3.5 relative Corsi is quite good. 2.8 relative Fenwick is pretty good. So it basically just means that his team was um, was had possession of the puck more often than not when he was on the ice, and that it's worth noting that is for the uh, the the latter two thirds of his career. Yeah, it's the very it's the very end of his career. Really, actually, very end. Sorry, latter third of his latter quarter of his career. Sorry, yeah, yeah, very end of his career. Yeah, I mean, like when he was younger, I mean, you'd have to assume his stats would have been better. You would have to assume it's better than that, yeah. yeah. But we have no way. We have no way of knowing unless we get out a calculator. And yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, and honestly, there might not even be footage because the NHL is really bad about that. Yeah. Um, so for the playoffs, thirty-nine games played, sixteen goals and twenty-three assists keeping up his glorious record of being exactly a point a game. Um, minus seven, however. Oh, sorry, sorry. That was for 39 points. I'm sorry, I misread yeah. that. Um, it's 16 goals and 39 assists for 39 points and a minus seven in 46 games. So he's slightly below, well, a little bit more than slightly below his uh, point per game average with 20... 20, 21 minutes and 12 seconds of average time on ice since 98-99. So uh, his playoff stats are just slightly below his regular season stats, but he's still a very fine playoff player. Um, his adjusted stats would be 445 goals and 633 assists for uh, 1,078 points. His adjusted 82-game average... Uh, would be 37 goals and 52 assists for 89 points. His adjusted points per game, at the qualifier set to 750 games, Korea's 15th all-time in adjusted points per game. The qualifiers drop to 500 games, then Korea drops out of the top 25. He was never traded. He chose to sign as a free agent a couple of times, including that one year where he and Solani, I think, or maybe just he himself, took like a million bucks to try to win a cup in Colorado. And yeah. One of them got paid more than the other one. I don't remember who yeah, I can't. I, I think it was Korea that just took like a million bucks to go. Yeah. Win but I can't remember which one did which, but basically they just like sort of colluded. To yeah. Try to win a cup. And then they had a really, they both had the worst years of the career. Oh yeah. It was just horrible. And they're like, never mind. Let's never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> that was the one year where like the avalanche just imploded. And then yeah, yeah. organized. Um, so, um, anyways, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna go. So, on. Korea won two Lady Bings in '96 and '97. He was top five in heart voting in 1997, and top ten uh, player by point shares uh, once in 1997. He was a top five offensive player by offensive point shares once in '97, and top ten a further three times in 1996, 1999, and 2000. He scored 50 goals once, 40 goals three times, 35 goals four times, 30 goals seven times, 25 goals eight times, 20 goals nine times. He tallied 60 assists once, 50 assists six times, 40 assists eight times. He scored 100 points twice, 90 points three times, 80 points six times, 70 points seven times, six points nine times, 50 points 
10 times. He was top five in goals once and top 10 four times. He was top five in goals per game twice. He was top five in assists once. He was top 10 twice. He was top five in assists per game once and top 10 three times. He was top five in points three times and top 10 four times. And he was top five in points per game twice and top 10 three times and top 10 in plus minus once, whatever that means. Um, he was also a first all-star all-star three times and a first all-team rookie and a second team as well, one or two times, sorry, and was in seven all-star games. Also, additionally, he won the Hobie Baker Award in 1993 as the NCAA's best player. <laughs> Excuse me, which is something that um, not a lot of other NHL stars can say, probably, or at least at the time. At the time, they really couldn't. Yeah, it's starting to sort of be a thing where people are starting to realize so there was i was actually watching the ncaa championship between uh notre dame and uh university of uh, minnesota the duluth like I, I can't remember what the d stands for but it was umd and uh they had you know some guy that i picked in a hockey pool that i was in <laughs> and like a whole bunch of like really nice players and, it, and then yeah. they had this advertisement for the NCAA and it was like NCAA hockey, very Canadian. And it's like 20% of players are Canadian. I'm like, wow, <laughs> that's really happening. Like, yeah, like, like a lot of good Canadian players end up playing there and they showed Marty St. Louis, Paul Korea, Jonathan Taves, et cetera, et cetera. Like, wow. wow. But like a lot of Canadian guys who ended up playing in the NCAA and Paul Korea was a big one that they showed like, wow. Yeah. yeah that guy's like, no, he's one of the big names in hockey, so it was kind of cool. Um, and just randomly, I ended up watching it like this weekend, so um, sort of very convenient because he he like people couldn't believe that he had gone to college in those days, right? Now, yeah, it was a weird. Hockey. It was a weird decision. I think he was sort of the first big name guy. He, I think he was the first big na- like prospect to go there instead of the uh, instead of- CHL. Yeah. I think that. You know, other other players obviously came from college and turned into yes. Hall of Fame NHL players like Newendike and Oates. Yeah. But I don't think they were considered prospects at a young age like Korea was, I think. Yeah. Well, I think maybe maybe you want to think about Taves. Maybe yeah. like I but I'm not sure when he developed them. I haven't followed his career closely enough, but I know Korea yeah, yeah. was a big like holy crap he went to college and everybody thought he was just gonna like no there's no way he'll be great oh wait he's amazing <laughs> and yeah. then that was the university of maine black bears where everybody's like holy like they just destroyed everybody because yeah Paul <laughs> um but yeah they had a great program for many many years and it was the, the korea going there sort of influenced that too so worth noting his sort of influence on college hockey i don't think they're quite as good as they used to be I don't think they're quite as much of a destination, but um, college hockey sports programs, they, they sort of go through these cyclical things too. So I think, but they were the sort of the, like the first really big one I remember been like, wow, they had Paul Korea. And then so many people wanted to go play for him. Um, yeah. So that's kind of worth noting. I'm sure there's somebody, there's another hockey like guy that like you would recognize the name that I'm forgetting about, but it was, well, I know um, Gar Snow and, Who's the other goalie? They had Gar Snow and somebody else that went there. And they were 
It wasn't Blackburn. It was, it was, it was uh, Gar Snow and another guy. Anyways, they were both the, the two goalies there uh, for, for them. And I think they came very close to winning another Frozen Four, or they did win another Frozen Four or whatever. And uh, basically, Korea kind of started that sort of siege at that university, I guess. Yeah. So I guess it's at least worth noting yeah. that he sort of did that um, as a Canadian, right? Yeah. Um, so, uh, Paul Korea's great teams, in addition to the University of Maine Black Bears. <laughs> um, he was the top three forward on one runner-up, the 03 Mighty Ducks. And I, I guess I should probably get into this now because I'll forget. Um, that was the series, too, where he got absolutely destroyed by Scott Stevens and sort of provided that iconic, like, game six moment where he just gets pasted and you see, like, the, his mask fogs up after he gets hit and you think he possibly has died on the ice because he got hit so hard. And then he comes back and he scores. And it's like, I think that sort of... Even though Anaheim didn't win the cup that year, I think it's sort of like a lot of fans of that hockey team sort of, I think he sort of galvanized that fan base in terms of like being like, we're, we're sort of in this for the long haul and we believe in hockey in this state. And it was, it was big. Cause I mean, he, I'm not even kidding. When he got hit, I'm like, oh, he's never going to skate again. Like he, cause he, we knew he had the concussion problems, right? And he came back and he scored. It was, that was unbelievable. Yes. Yeah. I think that's still one of if TSN does like a like a sort of like an iconic hockey moments it's if it's right if, if it's a playoff thing from the NHL it, it's way up there because it was a, that was in the cup final that was amazing yeah. um sorry I just had to say that because the 03 winning yeah. ducks sort of get everybody forgets because the they didn't win the cup but that was a really good team um the best skater by points on one Olympic runner-up, the 94 Canada team, when he was not yet in the NHL, because it was still amateurs at that point, except for Russia. Um, <laughs> top six uh, forward by points on one Olympic champion, 02 Canada. Um, and I mean, he... He played, but he didn't really play. Um, yeah. He ended up. Uh, wasn't that the year that he got cross-checked in the face by Gary Souter? I don't know. Honestly, don't know. Um, I, I remember him. I remember him scoring a really big goal in that in the final game, though, or against the States. You know what? I'm I'm actually thinking of uh, the '98 in Nagano when he couldn't play. Okay. Because he'd been cross-checked in the face by Gary Suter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, he yeah, remember the the like the famous uh, Lemieux yes. through yes. the legs didn't touch the puck. Yeah, yeah Korea is the guy who scored that goal. Yeah. So yeah, you're absolutely right. But he would have been that guy in '98, except that he got cross-checked in the face by Gary Suter, which is why he probably doesn't have the best skater for '98. Yeah, I um, I don't. Well, I mean, we we didn't mention them because they. Uh, they, didn't. they lost. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I mean, if they had had him, yeah, they might have done a lot better because he just, oh man. Yeah. It was him and Sackick, I think, both got knocked out, but the Gary Suter, and that was the start of his big concussion problems, too. He literally got cross checked in the face. You can go look it up. It's just terrifying. Um, man, that guy took a beating. So, 
Are we gonna? Is Fred Cycle and Taylor also gonna take a beating? Is that our theme for this uh, this week? No, no, I uh, I don't think so. Oh, that's not that's that I know of. Anyway, maybe you're gonna tell me something that I don't know. No, I, I haven't noticed any things of him taking a beating. He he was the cyclone, not the other way around. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So he was uh, the best skater by points on one world champion in the '94 Canada. Uh, top three forward by points on one world champion runner-up, 96 Canada. He was the best skater by points on one world junior champion, 93 Canada. And the best player by points on one ninth, uh, NCAA national champion, the 94 Black Bears, as I mentioned before. So just, I know it's luck, but yeah. just contrast, like, well, luck and also the fact that he was clearly considered one of the best Canadian players in the world. Yeah. Contrast, like, Korea's international success with Terjans. Mm. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Like, yeah. Korea was on... those these The teams that you mentioned are only the good international teams he was on. He was on other ones, too. Um, and, you know, cause, because the Ducks were uh, not in the playoffs sometimes... And um, he, uh, you know, he had a, he was he was a go-to player for Canada, even at a point when you know Gretzky was still around and Lemieux was still around. So I think that speaks. I mean, uh, you know, I think we all know about Korea's injury history, mm-hmm. and no one needs to explain why he played less than a thousand games. Yeah, um, there's, no, there's no question but, about his games played at all. I don't think. Yeah looking at his international success and the yeah. fact that he was you know he was uh he was also successful in uh in his amateur career and he was also he did manage to help drag a a team of you know older older players um to a final that no one thought they were going to yeah. um you know it just it it it's impressive and yeah. in addition to his his uh the fact that you know his peak if if he actually managed to be healthy during his peak i mean he would have scored a ridiculous number of points he just wasn't healthy um i think just seeing how frequently he played for canada and how successful those teams were you know like um and he was in, it wasn't like he was a role player on these teams he was usually um the best player or one of the top at least on the top line oh, yeah, um, with the exception of 2002 which was a super team Anyway, um, I, I think that like you look at those international teams and you're just like, like I, I, when I was compiling this, I forgot he was on that many good international Canadian teams. Like I forgot that. Oh, he was, uh, he was a phenomenal player where you're like, oh, if we have Paul Correa, like he's going to score this many goals. He had a, he had a slapper, he had a wrister, he was fast, he could skate. I mean, he was I don't know if he was like McDavid fast where everybody was just like, what the hell do we do with this guy? I don't think he was that fast, but yeah. people were like, man, if he gets ahead of steam, you're pretty much dead in the water. Like, there's, And they had so many slow defensemen back then. Like, yeah. If you didn't tackle him, basically, which is probably what happened in his career, right? Like people just tackled him. Um, yeah, like, yeah. Man, he could fly. Like he, he was a hell of a player. Yeah, and and you know, I think that it 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 provided you know we we put aside any kind of silly 
you know, didn't play enough nonsense. No. I think it's pretty it's pretty evident. I mean, he he was we we know that even at the end of his career he was an excellent possession player which like we said uh means that he probably was even better when he was in his prime i mean it stands to reason and he was regularly you know quite uh you know on the leaderboards you know four times in his career he's top 10 in goals and points and and that's and that's even with the uh you know, with the fact that he didn't play full seasons a lot of the time, um, you know, and, and I don't know, I, I think like to me is a no doubter. And I, I, I think that like, I, I just, it's one of those things where I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't see the alter, the other argument at all. Like that he doesn't yeah. belong. Yeah. Me, me neither. I mean, it's, the only argument you can make is like a, a lack of games played or uh, oh he was never the star on a cup winner he was never yeah the yeah star. yeah which are are dumb both of those are dumb arguments exactly. that's it I think we're we're past that point he was before being injured brilliant at times even after some of his first concussions and injuries brilliant. And even when at the end he started to tail off, which is I think what brought him down to a point of game player, yeah. he was still pretty good. Like he wasn't like it wasn't like he was scoring forty points. It was like ah, Paul Korea, sixty five points. Yeah, that's all right. You know, like he he's he's he was never that guy where you're like ah, Paul Korea is just okay. You knew that if he wasn't sort of destroying the world, it's because he was injured. Or he had been injured, you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Like his his last, so like he he only ever scored uh, be, uh he never scored below uh 0.5 points per game in a season. The only reason I I said two of the seasons weren't quality is because two yeah. seasons he didn't play enough. Like yeah, he exactly. he played uh, or one season was it? Sorry, there's one season he played 11 games. You know, yeah. Um, now he he scored uh, a a bunch of points in those 11 games. Um, but there was, you know, his final season of his career, he was at 0.57 and that was the lowest total of his career. You know, he never was uh, anywhere near that previous to that. So, I mean, at some point he knew he had to retire. He was only 35, but you know, he had so many injuries by that point. I just, I, yeah, I think there's like, no, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't see a, a case for him not to be in, I think that had he played on an Eastern Conference team instead of the Ducks for the first, you know, half of his career, two thirds or whatever it was, I think he would have even, um, I mean, not that it took him that long to get in, but it did take him a few years longer than that. And then he was eligible. I think he'd, had he played in the Eastern Conference where people are actually watching, (laughs) you know, because the games aren't on in the middle of the night. Um, I think that he might have been in immediately or very close to immediately. Well, and that's that's a real consideration before the advent of all day, all night news cycles, all day, all night yeah. news, like channels where you could like, you know, like I'm a Canucks fan. So, I mean, like I still, unless I steal them off the internet, can't see a Canucks game live unless I go out of my way to see it, no yeah. matter what channels I have. Like it just, 
because of the regional broadcasting rights and that kind of stuff. But in those days, it was like borderline impossible but, to see games in the West. So a lot of people just literally saw his highlights, and that's it. And though some of those people were probably were voting. So, I mean. But it's, you know. it's worth, like, just to give you an example of, like, the East Coast bias as well. Not that you need it. You know as well as I do. Oh, yeah. But 1996. Paul Correa comes in ninth in Hearth Trophy voting. And I generally, I only include the top five, right? Because I feel like that's reasonable. But just to give you an example of like this bullshit, and I'm going to pick on your favorite guy here. Oh, sweet. Number two in Hearth Trophy voting in that year with 47 goals, 52 assists, and 99 points is Mark Messier. Of course. Paul Correa with 50 goals and 58 assists for 108 points, so nine more points, yeah. received almost no received uh almost 250 votes less than mark messier of course now some of that is it's mark messier yeah some of that might is probably the records i'm sure the rangers had a better record that year i haven't looked it up but i'm sure they did but like people didn't know he existed because he was on the ducks and like he might have had he been playing on a different team, he probably would have, I'm not saying he would have finished top five that year, because actually when you look at the scoring, he was, you know, there were only, only two of the people ahead of him um, who were, who were forwards finished with fewer points, uh, Messier and Fedorov, but like there would have been, he would have been higher up in that ranking. I'm sure if I look at the year he finished eighth in heart voting in 99, I'm sure I wouldn't be surprised if it's the exact same thing, you know, like, it's actually, yeah, like there's multiple three players ahead of him in uh, in 1999 where he he uh, you know could have easily been higher up in the heart voting. So it's, I think it really is a product that is a product of him playing on the West Coast, and we might people might remember his career differently if he just you know been nominated a bit more frequently for awards. Right, I would agree with that absolutely. Yeah, but then again, um, anything that makes Mark Messi not look good, you know, I'm in. So yeah, no, I know that's why I, I mentioned that. <laughs> um, but like, I don't like. I mean, those were his two, uh, his two very best years. So you know, I looking at the other ones, it probably there's no probably no point. But I just bring it up because I think that there is a East Coast bias generally um, for awards because a lot of the East coast media people will not, well, like now you can, right? Like if, yeah. if you're a hockey beat writer or just a hockey writer right now, you can, you can like take part of your day to watch, to stream games. If you're like, well, how good is this? You know, I don't know how good is Kopitar or whatever, right? Yeah. You can watch some Kopitar in the morning or something, but back then you couldn't. And, and so I think, it's safe to say that he he may not have had more than one top five heart voting finish anyway playing on an East Coast team, but he, he could he might have had closer to top five and he might have even had a second one had he just played on Eastern Conference team. I would agree with that. And then the thing is too, you have to realize that the voting sort of I mean, at certain points doesn't really matter. Um I think no. anybody who Anybody who watched him play realizes how damn good he was. And yeah, yeah. It's it's more of just an a pro. It's just a way of like indicating that people were course. aware, right? Like, yeah. If 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 somebody like 
the reason I include it, uh, the award voting is because only one person wins the award and because sometimes the professional hockey writers association are a bunch of idiots and, and vote for people who don't belong, who don't deserve awards. And, you know, if someone's, as we talked about, I think on, on our first episode, if someone gets voted for a bunch of times, but never wins the award, that's a pretty good indicator that they probably should have won one, the award once, you know? Exactly. Um, so unless you have something else to say about Korea, I, we should probably move on to, uh, the cyclone. Maybe just Fred. that he was smart enough to wait for Lemieux to <laughs> move his move his legs and let that puck go through. I've since watched that goal and I was like, yeah, damn, that was really smart to like be there and waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, like um, that play was something yeah. else. Yeah, it was a hell of a play. Yeah. So um, we uh, yes, yeah, so like we we did our. Our episode about amateurs and then afterwards uh bill and i discussed we we sort of decided we were going to skip um in addition to the amateurs we just sort of went over how our problems with talking about amateurs we sort of decided to skip uh guys who had played in the early pro leagues and didn't make it to the nhl in general because even though there are more stats with the early pro leagues like uh, the National Hockey Association and the Pacific Coast Hockey Association and the International Hockey Association and those kinds of things, it's still hard to gather them all. There isn't one place on the internet where you can see all of them at once, and it is kind of hard to find this information. However, we are making an exception for Frederick Wellington Cyclone Taylor because he scored a lot. And though he never played in the NHL, he um, he basically made a choice in uh, 1912, which made it so that he would not play in the NHL. And he couldn't have possibly known in 1912 that the 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 professional hockey league would come out of the other league, the league he abandoned. So basically, um, before we talk about is we're going to talk about his stats, but I just wanted to mention. He was in the NHA, the National Hockey Association, the league that became the NHL. His first two seasons were in that league. He was, you know, he he was not yet quite a star. Someone gave him a, well, he was also playing defense. It's worth pointing out, or what they called cover point. And someone gave him a bunch of money to play, with not very much money uh, now, but at the time, uh, very little money now. But at the time, it was a lot of money to, to switch to start in the new Pacific Coast Hockey Association. He switched. He played the remainder of his career there at center. And he dominated, as we're going to see. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're, even though he never played in the NHL, we're going to talk about him because we think he's a notable player. And because he's, pro- I mean, he's probably the greatest player in the history of the Pacific Hockey or Pacific Coast Hockey Association. Um, I th- more than probably he is. And, uh, you know, he was arguably in many ways, one of the two first, like truly offensive stars of professional hockey, fully professional hockey. So his career, like I said, he never played a game in the NHL. Um, he played 10 seasons in the PCHA from 1912 to 1923. Eight of those were quality by our modern standards. 
Um, but they involved him not playing the two that were not quality involved him not playing very many games, six games in one and one in the other. Um, he scored 159 goals in the PCHA, which is as far as I can figure third all time. He had 104 assists in the PCHA, which is first by over 20 assists, which if you think about it, that's one fifth of the total number of assists he scored. So that's a lot. Um, and he also had 263 points, which is first as well. Uh, he played in 130 games, which is probably 14th all time. So he somehow managed to be first in assists and uh, in assists and points, with, but only playing 14th most games. He is probably first all time in goals per game if the qualifier is set to a full NHL season of 82 games. If there's no qualifier, he's only fifth all time. He is first all-time in assists per game, regardless of any qualifier we might set, and a full .34 assists per game ahead of the next person. He is first all-time in uh, points per game in the PCHA, regardless of qualifier, and well over half a point per game ahead of the next player to play at least 82 games in the PCHA. So that is dominant. Um, he played... Or I, I was going to come up with a better thing than this, but... Uh, the PCHA played first, they played like 16 games and then they played more. So his 22.5 game average is 27 goals, 18 assists for 45 points. His three year peak was from 1913 to 1916, where he had a 16-game average, which was the length of the season at the time, of 22 goals, 16 assists for 39 points, i.e., uh, well over uh, two per game. Um, and that doesn't include his best goals per game season. Um, and then the playoffs, which in the PCHA didn't start uh, until 1918. He had one goal and one assist for two points in eight games, and that's because his team uh, unfortunately did not proceed in those later years. Um, in the NHA, he was a cover point, not a center. He played two seasons, one of which was quality. He scored 22 goals in 29 games. In the International Hockey League or the International Professional Hockey League, he was also a cover point, not a center. Played two seasons, one quality, 29 goals, seven assists for 36 points in 29 games again. And then just a little note about his amateur. Um, he briefly played in the Manitoba Hockey League in 1905-1906 and scored three goals and one assist, um, so four points in four games. And then he also played in the ECAHA, which I believe is the East Coast Amateur Hockey Association. I think I got that right. Um, two seasons, 1907-1909, so between his first pro and his second pro stint, and he scored 18 goals in 21 games, and he was younger. And then he also played in the Western Pennsylvania Hockey League from in 1908 to 09, and uh, that's no points in three games, and I don't really know what was going on there. So <laughs> that is uh, a summary of uh, his varied career. Yeah, he's uh, he's an interesting character. He's sort of the first, um, if you're to believe our uh, wonderful hockey uh, people's history uh, documentary that was put out by the CBC in conjunction with uh, Ford and many many other companies. Um, Fred Cyclone Taylor was one of the first big sort of celebrities of the game, or the big the person people sort of talked about as like the oh wait till that guy gets here you know like the with that Connor mcdavid Sidney crosby kind of buzz of like a here he comes you won't believe what this kid can do and like 
And especially, I'm sure in those days, it, oh, I once saw him score 17 goals through a herd of buffalo, like you know, yeah. um, some sort of ridiculous urban legend because it was those days. But and stories traveled more than actual news did. But yeah. he was well known as the next up and coming guy, um, sort of. So much so that he got poached from one league to another. Exactly. That's it. Because they're like, we, if we have him, we're going to be able to get fans in the doors. And that's the only thing that made them money. Yeah. Um, so they basically had to, ha- they either had to have him. They had to have one of the Patricks. They had to have one of those guys of that era that were the, 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 the Petra. One of, if they didn't have one of those guys, they weren't going to get people in the door because they had to see yeah. like somebody who was so much better. It was basically if you didn't have the, the the McDavid of that era, you weren't getting people in the door, kind of thing, you know. So yeah, uh, yeah. I think his that's that explains a lot of his hopping around. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um. So uh, his accomplishments as a uh, Pacific Coast Hockey Association center, he led the league in goals thrice. He was top five five times. He was top ten probably seven times, but nobody's sure. <laughs> because as we've said before for these kind of guys uh um record keeping's uh spotty at best um for an unknown number of times he led the league in goals per games or fell into the top 10 but he played full seasons the years he led the league so he likely led it at least three times basically those are the three seasons that we have on record that he actually played the full season he led the league in assists five times, top five at least seven times. Probably led the league in assists per game five times. He led the league in points five times, the only player to do so. Top ten seven times. Again, the only player to do so. Again, I should the only player to do so. And he probably led the league in points per game five times. Um, the NCHA, which was the... Oh, sorry. That's the that should be the NHA. Sorry. Sorry, t- NHA. Thank you title. for the correction. The NHA as a cover point. He did not make the top ten in either season, but remember, he was playing cover point. Yeah. The crucial position. Of position. Cover. Yes. Yeah. I th- isn't isn't that just Rover? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's another name for Rover. Yeah. 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 Um, the IPHL. We have no record. <laughs> Amateur. MHL, unknown. The ECAHA, never made the top 10. WPHL, never scored. So those are random records, and God knows if you know the guy who was writing them down did, did his job or what was going on. So. Well, we have the individual stats. The problem is we don't have the, like, the league stats. So yes. and, and finding the league stats would have been so much effort. It, I mean, we know he was good. Yeah. Well, no, that's it. That's the thing. We know he's good. He scored, you know, 18 goals. Be like, well, it could have been 20. It could have been 16. We have no idea. Just some guy wrote down 18. So we're, that's what we're counting. So, uh, but we knew he was good. That's basically yeah. what his stats ensure. We just don't yeah. know the accuracy of said stats. Yeah. So he was the well, best player. To, to, to be honest, that's, that's true up until about 1980. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So he was the best player on one Stanley Cup champion um, who were the uh, 1915 Vancouver Millionaires. He he was a top three forward on one Stanley Cup runner-up who were the uh, 18 Millionaires. Now, they 
Um, that was at that point, they would have been playing the NHL champion. And at this point, the NHL, mm-hmm. you know, it was still yeah. a, uh, the cup was up for grabs between the different pro leagues, exactly. but the NHL was already um, becoming the best league. So I don't know anything about that particular series. I just know that like the NHL existed already yeah. and all the NHA players and some of the PCHA players were already defecting to that league. I so year, but did the NHL at a certain year, like either purchase the rights to like the stand? Yeah. Like 20 in 1927. There you go. So yeah. yeah. So it was still before that point. And then he was a role player on one Stanley cup runner up the 21 millionaires when he was like at the tail end of his career. And uh, also it's worth noting again, that uh, the millionaires were a PCHA team playing the NHL team in that point, you're starting to see the PCHA becoming like more of a bit of a minor league in comparison to the NHL, just because the NHL was attracting the top talent. So the fact that they were, you know, they didn't win those last two cups is not really surprising. Um, and in terms of the playoffs, the PCHA playoff history is a mess. So I, I didn't even bother. I just basically looked at when his teams were fighting for the cup. Yeah. which was three times and he won one and he was the best player on that team that won the cup, uh, like hands down. So, um, yeah, I mean, this is like, I mean, he is the PCHA existed for like, I don't know, 11 or 12 years or something like that. And for half of, for slightly less than half of that time, he was the best player in the league. Yeah. Um, with no real competition in those years. I mean, like we heard his stats there. He was like, particularly with the assist. It's interesting that he, he, you know, he, he had a lot of goals, but he also dominated with the, these new assists, which didn't even exist in the NHA when he was in the NHA. I mean, I think maybe in the PCHA, they might not exist his first year. No, they were in PCHA introduced them in the first year. So they, so it was, I guess, 1912, is when the assist came in, but he, he was constantly uh, setting up people in a way that actually counted in addition to scoring a lot. And, uh, you know, there, I mean, the fact that he was, he, he led the league almost half of his existence <laughs> in, in scoring is, uh, I mean, that's never going to be equal because obviously we don't have these short-term leagues anymore. But like yeah. that, I think that speaks very clearly to his um, his dominance. And I think the um, the ability of that team led by the Patricks, uh, the Vancouver Millionaires, to get Cyclone Taylor to go all the way out to the West Coast. Yeah. I mean, because because it, it was the Renfrew, it was the Renfrew Millionaires before that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was the Renfrew Creamery Kings and the Renfrew Millionaires because they started paying the guys a crap load of money. So that was sort of their nickname. And then they went out to Vancouver and became the Vancouver Millionaires because they're like, well, if we can't win a cup out here in Renfrew, we'll go out to Vancouver and win one there and we'll just we'll be the automatic challenger from that league. Um, they go out there and they're they're basically just like, if we can get Fred Cycle and Taylor, we're going to win this thing for sure. <laughs> like, and so it's kind of like a just, well, what does he want? Like, oh, pay him this much money. 
how much does he want? He wants like five thousand dollars. Be like, well, then just give him five thousand dollars. Be like, well, holy shikies. And this is one of those things where just like pay him whatever he wants, you know. So they're they're the Vancouver millionaires, and they sort of borrowed that term as like the that's the place where all the mercenaries go. And then they just sort of went like, yeah, well, we'll actually make them all millionaires. Let's pay them all this West Coast sweet money. Like, here you go. <laughs> just loaded them up and just won the cup that way. Just like, let's pay all the best players to be on one team. And the Patricks were no slouches either, you know, as, as much as we'll eventually. Well, I guess I guess we'll talk about them in, at length at some point about why they're why we maybe don't consider them to be in as players, but more as builders. But I mean, like. They may have not been the best players in the world, but they certainly knew how to assemble the best players in the world. Yeah, and good good enough in their own right to actually get guys to come and believe in what they were doing. So, um, yeah, I, I think Fred Cyclone Taylor is sort of that like he was he was uh, how can I put this? Um, he was a modern day Ilya Kovalchuk. <laughs> Wherever you send him the money, that's where he will go and score goals. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's maybe the most accurate thing we can say, even though like there's no negative connotation to it because it was literally like, how would you like to eat this month? Well, yeah, exactly. So, and I'm tired of eating this corn pone. So <laughs> therefore pay me the most money. Um, yeah. And I, I think that, you know, there's, especially back then, yeah. you know, nobody knew what was going to, and you can't, yeah. you know, in, 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 uh, 1912, he couldn't have possibly known, you know, it, the world of the hockey world was so different then, you know, oh, there, like there were, you had no idea what was going on. There was, there was this national hockey association and then the, the PCHA started up. And then I believe a year or two later, maybe a couple of years after, I can't remember exactly the, the, uh, the West coast one started up too. Mm -hmm. And you had three, at one point you had three pro leagues, all of which we sort of assume were, roughly equivalent in talent level for a little bit for a brief period and then the the nha folded as as you talked about a few episodes ago yeah. and uh and the nhl came out of that and then it took a little bit of time and then the nhl became the definitive one in the pcha and the um and the wchl both sort of declined in stature to eventually going out of business, but yeah. it took a little bit, but before that happened, you know, the PCHA, whatever his reasons for going there, whether it's money, obviously, but like it was just another league to play in. It was another job and there was no way of knowing in 1912 that like the NHA would be the one that would turn into the real league later. Like you couldn't have possibly known that. Right. And, Nobody could have. And I mean, it's it's entirely possible that like if you looked, I don't know, if you look at like all the scoring, you could eventually figure out that one of them was probably better than the others. Yeah. Um, but I mean, why even bother? Like we know they were the three there were there were three games in town, not one. And players had choices and, you know, sometimes some teams would pay them better or give them other incentives. And sometimes, you know, New Zealand alone played on all three of them. Yeah, exactly. um, and we're going to talk about him probably, you know, uh, in a few episodes. And, uh, you know, he played in all three because he didn't know. Uh, and I don't remember why he jumped from one to the other, but like he basically went where he could get a job. And 
that's the way it was. And, uh, you know, it's, I don't think we should hold it against them at all. And I think that like, just because Taylor led the PCHA and in points so much doesn't mean he wouldn't have necessarily, like he got off to a not amazing start in the NHA, but it was at the beginning of his pro career anyway. So I think that like, he's as the probably best player to play is in the entire, the majority of his career in the PCHA. Cause there were other, there were future NHL stars who did play in the, uh, PCHA near the end of it. Yeah. Um, but who didn't necessarily have their best years there because their best years were in the NHL. Um, I think, you know, he he's this, he absolutely, there's no question that he belongs in the Hall of Fame because he was, of the players who played from its existence, the beginning of its existence, he was very clearly the best one. Yeah. And he, he's like the early superstar, right? Like, I mean, yeah. that's, he's, he's the guy. He's the early uh, Gordy Howe. He's the early Wayne Gretzky. He's he's that guy, and it doesn't seem there's a lot of debate about that in terms of hockey historians. And that like he was the first great star of hockey. Like wow, here comes Cyclone Taylor. Like it wasn't, you know, the Didier Petra had sort of his French Canadian angle to it, but it seems like F- Fred Cyclone Taylor was the sort of the guy the 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 one that everybody when i guess peter came in said oh he's the french canadian taylor kind of thing you know what i mean like yeah they had sort of that feeling of it and and you say oh he didn't play in the best league be like well you know the maybe that he played in the league where the guy's checks didn't bounce because it was 19 (laughs) it was 1908 and who knew who had what money and the contracts were written on a buffalo pelt and just went on and on love like who knows how reliable this is so if that yeah. guy actually paid me in cash before i went on the ice i went on the ice like that kind of thing you know like you can't fall absolutely a thing like that in there like that like it's yeah and like you're absolutely right about that because like who knows this sport was still very young um the nha was not very old it was a little bit older than the pcha but not much and the other, so many previous leagues, like the other attempts at, at pro leagues, uh, the IHL, for example, had stopped existing, you know? And so like it, like you said, if you were going to, if someone was going to pay you at a salary that you could actually be a pro hockey player, yeah, you didn't care where it was. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and, you, know, you could probably pay somebody in craft dinner, except it hadn't been invented. <laughs> <laughs> I think that people just like they, you know, they had they had to make these choices, and yeah. it it ended up working out reasonably well for him because he did win a cup, and yeah. you know he is the, uh, I mean he's the all time points leader in in the history of that particular league. So exactly. I mean, it turned out I pretty mean, good. It seems like what, from what I remember from hockey people's history, I haven't watched it for quite some time, but like from what I remember, it's like he was the best player in like some of the Eastern leagues. And they're like, Oh, and then that West coast league with their millionaires bought him away from us. No, he, he definitely, anymore. uh, by his stats, he, yeah. he wasn't, um, he was still, he will, here's the thing. He was a defenseman, right? Yeah. So he might've been, but like, he might've been the best player, but the fact is because he was a defenseman, his stats make him look like he wasn't. Yeah. Um, because he was a defenseman. So like, you know, in, in his, uh, he had pretty good numbers mm-hmm. in his, 
in his brief career in the IHL, but yeah. we have, but finding out how they compared to anyone else is impossible. But like when he was in like, you know, the NHA, for example, he, he didn't, I mean, 22 goals in 29 games sounds like a lot. This was a high scoring era. Um, it's not. So like he, he, he didn't even, when he was in the NHA, as you mentioned, he didn't even uh, make the top 10 in points either season, but he was playing defense. So, you know, but like it was, it was not just the, this whole thing of like, he was the best player was that, it was that the Patricks saw something in him much like, you know, way later someone saw something in red Kelly and was like, you should switch positions. You would be better at this position. And, and then he, you know, once he became a center, he, he went and scored a ton a way, way more than he had. Yeah. Just when they must've realized that his skating ability would translate to, uh, yeah, and he was there. Was I did read this story about him like threatening to score a goal while skating backwards, and he 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 tried to do it in a game and failed, but like the fact that he thought he could do it and that people thought he could do it tells you that he was pretty good. Yeah, you would think that. I mean, in in that era, I think if you could skate really well, you would. You had a huge advantage, yeah. I mean, my God, because you're basically skating on butter knives, right? So, I mean, if you were the guy who could actually move on them, like, you would know must have been so much better than everybody else. But it, it doesn't doesn't detract from what he was able to do. Yeah. Um, but, but I, by I the guess, way, that's, that's my theory about Joe Malone. <laughs> my theory is that Joe Malone could skate, and that's why he was so damn dominant. Yeah, well, you you know what? Well, Connor McDavid, I think, well, he obviously has hands and the competition is much greater, but his skating ability just makes him basically unstoppable. If you can skate, you can score. Like, yeah. You can just go around people, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You're always there. Yeah. Very annoying. <laughs> as, as a very slow player, very <laughs> people are very, very fast. <laughs> um, I'm just looking at his career stats and just... You know, he, he died in Vancouver, aged 94, and he only died in 1979. That's how just incredibly tough Yeah, he, he was. He retired relatively early compared yeah. to, like, Petra and some of those other guys mm-hmm. um, who played into the NHL who, like, he – I don't know. I don't remember why. Um, he did, play. like, he – he clearly fell off a cliff though, because he played a couple games at the end there, and in the last two years, where he he just wasn't the same player. But right, like his final two years were not good. Yeah, well, I, I I don't know. It seems like every reference, you know, the the cyclone reference, and apparently he used to be known um, as the tornado, and he was known as the whirlwind. All these like old timey nicknames, you know. It's the the era the era of like Babe Ruth barnstorming and all that you know all that like early baseball stuff where everybody you know Lefty Grove and One Eyed Wilson and Three Finger Three Finger Mordecai and all that kind of stuff uh, was it Three Three Finger Mordecai Brown yeah and it's like they all have these in, in that case is actually because he had three fingers but <laughs> like guys who um all these nicknames would come out of these people. And it's like, what the, you're going to call that guy that? And it's like, well, that's what he's going to be known as. That's how we're going to sell these tickets. And 
his like all of his nicknames are speed 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 yeah yeah, yeah. wind and you're like if he played cover point or rover he's just that guy who takes the puck skates around and around and around and then eventually somebody's open and you're like clack and then oh he's on a breakaway look at that yeah. like, that must have been what it was right like just yeah. the rover guy would be like the eric carlson the drew doughty just keep skating until you find somebody open and then fire that pass and bang you're gone kind of thing i'm guessing but yeah. i don't know i didn't see hockey in that era but it, it sounds like it was just like that one guy who could just skate like crazy and then eventually he'd find somebody open and then oh here comes the play like, yeah yeah i mean that's what we have to assume and i mean uh, one has to assume that he, when he couldn't do that as much anymore he just decided to not play anymore because like i said he retired a little bit earlier than some and uh tired of not making so much money yeah 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 um and yeah like you said he actually lived unlike some of these guys he lived to a ripe old age which is unusual um do you have anything else to say about him uh, I actually do not. Um, okay. I, you know, just sort of uh, interesting that he sort of was such a big star and went west because I think in those days that must have been extremely hard to orchestrate. And I guess it goes to speaking to our argument where we're eventually at least going to make reference. Well, this is one of the first of many references to the Patricks, but just sort of maybe as builders, they sort of found a way to get the league westward earlier than it probably would have been for many, many years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and they even, you know, then there was a like battle out West between two different leagues, which exactly. who could have ever seen that coming. Yeah. Well, yeah, all that frontier money. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I do not. However, um, this is, uh, this is an episode which has happened after uh, very recently after, um, something that uh that just occurred I, I know this episode won't be aired for quite some time but this uh this episode occurred just after uh, the very recent uh, humble broncos tragedy and i was hoping that we could just have a moment of silence for those poor kids yeah absolutely All right. Um, well, yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. I don't think we need to say anything more about yeah. it than what's already been said. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was just, I think, important to observe that moment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. Um, all right. So uh, I, uh, I guess that's it for us, and we will be back uh, soon with another episode, and uh, where we will be talking about Dave Anderchuk and two as yet to be determined players. <laughs> we got to figure that out. <laughs> and and uh yeah so uh we will we will see you then take care